do not know what you're talking about, Mike. Lock that's Talk that's Radio. With your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Pretty much that you absolutely have no idea what you're talking about, dude. Blake Bortles, he could be the next Joe Flacco. Now, you you think that's a bad thing. Blake Bortles, the Central Florida quarterback, I compare him to Blake to uh, to Joe Flacco, and you say, oh, you're absolutely wrong. This guy's a winner. I mean, Flacco's a winner, homie. Flacco's a Super Bowl MVP. What's wrong with having an NFL career like Joe Flacco? I'll tell you, I'll tell you who is a winner, Scott is uh, I, I'm sorry I missed last week's show, but this is my time to shine because the Hawks beat the crap out of Denver. And I sat there on red versus blue two weeks ago tonight and told you exactly what was going to happen. So I'm diverting. Yes, I am. But the Seahawks, their defense kicked butt. Uh, you oh. know you did. You did call that one right. You uh, you had You had jinxed. Uh, basically, you had, you put the reverse hex on it. I saw what you did. You picked against the Seahawks <laughs> in the games leading up to that, and then decided to flip the switch and, and turn it on. And you absolutely did. And, and then uh, good job on that uh, call. You, you know, uh, clock was right. And uh, look, uh, thankfully uh, Johnny Haskell, um, aka Syracuse Slapper, hitting the big game winner the other night. And he Bam, came through on red something? versus blue on on Ooh. Friday night and and filled your shoes fairly admirably, my man. So we uh, we thank uh, we thank Johnny for coming John's in. But hello, awesome. everybody, and welcome to another edition of Red versus Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. Wherever you may be, thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. Didn't think we were going to do a show tonight. This got pulled together uh, by the bootstraps in the last five minutes. So thank you for being in the chat room if you're in there. Uh, get paddles in there already. We will uh, we will have this show and we'll we'll pull it out. We have some very exciting things to talk about. I said, you know what? There's just no way. Uh, all of you Valentines, I said we need it. We need an hour to our, We need one hour, right? Even on Valentine's Day, the guys need one hour to come in and day. sit down. So it's our time. Yeah, so it's been a, yep. it's been a hard day. It's been a hard day uh, for for most everybody. I'm Scott Atkins here, uh, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. As always, joined by my big blue co-host, not last week, but now he's back from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Tran. And Mike, what we want to talk about today is the, uh, the Fantasy Football World Championship made a couple of big announcements. The hardcore draft is going on. We have the East Bay Funk rookie rankings, the pre-draft rookie rankings. We're going to link everybody to these in the chat room and on the show page so you can follow along at home. Uh, we have the rookie rankings, and we have the hardcore league. The NFL draft was examined. All 32 NFL teams were examined to find out just how good they did in the last draft. There was only one A-plus awarded. I'll let you figure out who it is. And one F, and we'll talk about that as well. So NBA's been kind of carrying us over, Mike. I don't know if you're digging the NBA, but I've been playing NBA daily on DraftKings every single night, and it's been the uh, one of the most fun experiences I've had in all of fantasy. Yeah, you know, Scott, it's been a lot of fun. I, I've had uh, I've had some fun just betting a little bit here and there in the NBA. You know, not betting, I, not I'll betting. Take the, 
<laughs> I'll take uh, I'll take uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Pelicans, man, what a terrible name! But I take them. Uh, they're getting points and they're covering every game and uh, just different different uh, situations that uh, come up. Uh, the hardcore league, uh, man, I, I tell you what, I, I just look at the draft right now and I love it. I love the way it's shaping out and. Uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun just to uh, move forward with that. And uh, just a lot of good things happening. The FFWC, I, I just want to, uh, again, give you guys props and uh, doing the right things and, uh, you know, the, the fun things that you guys have going. So uh, let's uh, let's keep moving forward. Mike, the, uh, yeah, the playoff draft world championship was, uh, was a lot of fun this year. The actual 16 mini drafts, those passed off uh, without a hitch. And now we say, you know what, it's time. It's only February. But all the other contests, we, everybody starts to say, hey, let's put our stuff out there because we don't want to fall behind. And it's like, okay, fine. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get it. Let's make a couple of our big announcements. I didn't see really anything kind of shaking up in the industry uh, going on. I did see the, the Platinum League was born over there at NFFC. I didn't see anything really FFPC. They have their, own, uh, their new software coming, which ought to be very interesting to see what, what, what shakes out with that. Not a lot of changes. I have seen some discussion going on on some message boards about whether or not the high-stakes leagues should embrace divisions or if they should do the all 12 teams in one big group. Now, at the FFWC, we don't use divisions uh, because we think it's one layer of detail that isn't really necessary, and you end up playing teams in your division twice. You end up playing the other teams once. Uh, and, you know, it's just sometimes luck of the draw happens. You get put into a tough league, and, and they, we didn't want any of that, so we just decided to play everybody once in the two weeks of all play. What are your thoughts on the setup? I'm perfectly yeah. fine with uh, all the different setups. It's, it's nice to have variety, but what are your thoughts? Well, you know, for so many years, Scott, I thought that the uh, divisions were a great thing, uh, but now I'm, I'm like, you know, the divisions diminish – Great teams, if if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can have a, you can have a really good team and a really good division and be closed out of everything. So lock them in. Twelve teams go. That's I mean that that's the way I look at it because you know you're going to end up playing each other once. I mean the NFL whether it goes to nineteen team or a nineteen nineteen season league, I mean, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is you're playing each other throughout the throughout the year, and you, there's no reason for a division. So just uh, lock, yeah. lock 12 in, lock 14 in, and go. That's right. Yeah, players point. have asked me my take on the 13-week regular season, and, and obviously the 13-week regular season is a must in today's fantasy football. We had the luxury of starting our contest after seeing – the 11-week schedule, and, and seeing two-thirds of all the teams, teams that are ponying up 1,500-plus, mind you, dead, with no action on Thanksgiving. It's the biggest football day of the year, so I just couldn't stand that. And, look, I've played this format, watched it work here at the FFWC. I'm firmly convinced that the two-week all-play to figure out this 13-week thing yeah. is the absolute best way to start a season because you don't want to have to play two teams twice. Uh, that, that's just not fair. Right. And so the all, all plays the absolute best way to start a season. It's the perfect solution to a 13-week regular season. Uh, not only that, Mike, but in the beginning of the year, didn't you, don't you find out you're still feeling out your roster? You're not sure what you have yeah. just yet. And so you might make the occasional lineup mistake. And I think that our version of all play gives you that flexibility in your lineup calls. It's a 50-50 game in the first two weeks. you just got to make the top six scores for the week, and you get a win if you're in the bottom half. Well, you don't deserve yeah, a win. No doubt. That's all you got to do is make the top yeah. half. Yeah, no question, Scott. Uh, uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, those, those first two weeks are very important to a certain extent, but it's feeling out your team, feeling out what's going to happen, and then you put your starting lineup in in uh, week three. Uh, I like the all play. I, I really do. Uh, I like the way it works. And uh, you got to go 13 weeks. I mean, any contest that doesn't go 13 weeks, I'm sorry, they're, they're missing the boat. But uh, you guys well, do the right more, thing. It, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's more bang for your buck. More bang for your buck. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you, you should have all 12 teams still alive on Thanksgiving. I mean, if you're going to Thanksgiving, you're having the big dinner, and then you don't have some action going, when you ponied up $1,500 for a fantasy league, I don't care. 
if you're in fifth place or sixth place, everybody needs to still be alive on Thanksgiving and having fun. You got three big games that day. So yeah. anyway, that is the format here at the FFWC and FF Toolbox. We do have the 13-week regular season. The first two weeks are all play where you, where everybody's in, at stake, and if the top six scores for the week get a win, and so you become 1-0. and if, you, if you're in the bottom six, you're 0-1. The next week you have that same right. chance, top six, bottom six right. again. And, I like and so that. then you start in the head-to-head league the rest of the season. Now, the NFL has talked about extending the season an extra two weeks, and we said, well, look, I'll tell you, we already have our system set up and ready to go. If that happens, and the NFL and Roger Goodell decides to put these guys out there on the field for two more weeks, it'll be a very simple solution for us. We'll do the first two weeks all play. We'll do the 11-week season, uh, the the next weeks 3 through 13, head-to-head. And then finally, right right before the championship round starts for those final two weeks, it'll be two more weeks of all play to wrap things up. So you'll have it booked on the front and the back. And you'll just go, go to war with that, and that'll be the way we solve that problem. We don't have to rechange our format. It'll be a 15-week regular season, and then you'll do the three-week championship race. So we're kind of already ready to go, uh, So just to give people an update. But the Fantasy Football World Championship is back. We announced our official prize structure and our live event structure. Mike, it's already out. And a couple of the highlights, real quick, still the industry-leading 12500 in league prizes. The very best ROI in the main event in the world. We've got the, uh, the, the Dominator Prize where you can win the $10,000 if you have the best record and the most points after 13 weeks. And that was what Glenn Lowy, uh, the $150,000 grand prize is back. The championship prize structure is back this year, Mike. We're, we, we ended up with 336 teams, a growth of 60% from 204 last year. That's huge. From 204 to 336, we think – we could get up there closer to that 450 mark this year, so that's what we're shooting for. We're, shoot, I'm, we're shooting for 450. I'd like to get to 500. I, you know, with a little bit of support from the players, I think we can get there. But regardless, the championship uh, prize structure is guaranteed, and uh, we're ready to go again, Mike. We'll be back in Vegas wow. in, uh, on the Strip, and it, it's going to be uh, our third year. FFW3, FFWC3 will be a big one. Well, one thing about it, Scott, is how do you make it grow? Uh, it's uh, credibility uh, and the way you, uh, Ian, Emil, uh, the entire team, uh, just continue to uh, do what you do. And, you know, it's just credibility goes a long way. And uh, you guys have shown it, and uh, you're getting a great following. So that makes a, that makes a big difference, Scott. And uh, I'm just uh, – I, I can't wait. I'm going to be in Vegas. And I, I I hope I'm going to be in a main event, but uh, I'm going to be in Vegas and joining you guys uh, for a couple of Roto Bowls, maybe three, two, three, four, who knows? But uh, it, you know that that's my that's my plan, that's my mo, and uh, you guys just do a great job, just build credibility. That's all. That's what it's all about. Well, thank you, Mike. We appreciate your business and all the business of the uh, the high stakes fantasy uh, population out there. We we are uh, doing it for them. We're doing it for the players, and it's uh, it's working out. We're not worried about our, our return on investment. We feel that will come down the road, and uh, we're just going to continue to bring uh, try to put as much good content at FF Toolbox as we can, a lot of fun games. The main event, our marquee event, we're not concerned about making a killing in the main event with our prizes so we can offer very competitive prizing in the main event and let all of our other contests kind of generate the income that we need to do throughout the year to make sure we can pay for that. But uh, look, we, uh, we have the Commander 5K League. We start off everything uh, this year with a very special league. Last year we were in Vegas. Before you know it, there's a little huddle of us on Wednesday night, and we all say to ourselves, man, I can't believe there's not a draft on Wednesday night. Well, this year there will be. Wednesday, September 3rd at 10 p.m., the Emil Cadillac Early Bird Draft in one of the most pristine rooms in all of Vegas, Mike, uh, this room is something to see. There's a link to it on the website, and I am I, blown away. I can't wait to draft at this table, uh, Mike. If you have, have you got to see the pictures of this draft, and we're going to have the no. the draft board up on the big screen, so the draft uh, room will be the, will be live right there in the room. You'll be able to see the picks going up live uh, on the, the big display. Have you seen that room? It's unbelievable. At the Mirage. Yes. Yes. Okay. I know. I know what you're talking about. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, we have a we have a we have a post to it on our message board, 
And it's just an absolutely incredible room uh, to host an event. And we said, you know what, the Emerald Catholic Early Bird will be there. That thing will sell out pretty quick, I would imagine. That's our main event live session number one. But for that's all the guys that they get in early on Wednesday and they want to have that first main event draft. Thursday comes around 9 a.m., the 5K Commander League. That's the best of the best of the best right there. That's Kimmer Schlesser, uh, Chad Schroeder, John Rosek, Mike Santos, Matt Bailey, all the big names. Uh, Joe Jefferson, all those guys that we've had on our show over the years, they will be back. Yep. Glenn Lowy will probably be in the commander this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, just exactly uh, how big that draft becomes. Then we move everything over. We have the live radio remote from ESPN. We may even be having a, another special guest uh, there for the remote. We have the kickoff party this year sponsored by DraftKings, Mike. It's an absolutely free party. Boy. All you need Oh, man, food, drink, everything you could possibly ask. You get your little bracelet there, and, and uh, DraftKings is putting that party on for us. It's going to be a fantastic time at the MGM Resorts, the Invitational, after the game. It's the Seahawks versus somebody, Mike. Now, the, the predictions are that the Seahawks will play one of three teams, Denver, Green Bay, or San Francisco. Those are the, the only real three options. It'll be a Seattle home game against one of those three teams, it, it which team do you think it'll be against Seattle on opening night? It, it, w it will not be San Francisco. Uh, this rivalry has built into something that is so huge. I don't think they're going to do uh, Seattle and San Fran right off the bat. It wouldn't surprise me to see Seattle and Denver. I'd say Denver right off the bat. You think – you think Denver is – and you know what? That, that is the odds-on favorite, by the way. For everybody that lives in Seattle, they're talking about it. They can't stop talking about it. They feel like Denver is going to get the rematch uh, on yeah. opening kickoff night. And I'm just like, you know what? We just saw that game. Why would we want to see another exact carbon copy of that game? Now, obviously, Denver could come in and try to do something different to keep the pressure off. But I think that the game that should – the rematch should be that – Trash talking Sherman versus Crabtree. I think that's the bigger game actually happen. than it's Denver not, and Peyton Manning. It's not going to happen first week, Scott. I mean, they they play each other twice a year. There's no way it's going to happen the first week. Uh, the, these two teams do not like each other, and I love yeah, the rivalry. Even better. It's, but it's not going to happen the first week. No way. Okay. All right. I think I, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the San Fran. That's what I think. The Packers are a very real possibility with Aaron Rodgers back in the fold because you know the Packers definitely make for a big game uh, to see if you know who else can contend with the Seahawks uh, on that schedule. And I think the Packers with a healthy Aaron Rodgers would would have a very good chance at that. But that would be interesting to me. But I, I'm gonna go with Man, San Fran. He, he, I think it'll be the rematch. You talk about a sneaky team. I mean, this is only February, Scott, but uh, Green Bay is going to be sneaky good. I mean, with Lacey and with the wide receivers healthy, with Aaron Rodgers healthy, are you kidding me? But anyway, move forward. Yep. Well, Friday we'll do the uh, – the, we'll, we also actually have the newest league formed at the FFWC is the Top Gun. You talk about the commander being the biggest stakes in uh, the FFWC. It's a 5K entry fee where one person can win uh, $30,000. The 10K Top Gun is basically commander's big brother, and it's the exact same structure for now. There is a discussion about rule changes and possible adaptations of the commander league for this 10K Top Gun league, Mike. But this is for those guys that really can't get enough. They want the highest stakes possible. And it's the highest gotcha. payouts we could possibly do. It's, it's basically a give back. We'll run the thing. We'll have to take all the payments over uh, by check and, and, you know, not credit card just to be, you know, because 3% of a $10,000, uh, that gets very expensive, you know, to do those types of uh, credit card yep. fees. So we, we'll need to have everybody paying right. in, uh, by check for that league. We'll have rollable drafts. We'll have the free roll championship. That is also sponsored by DraftKings this year, Mike. The free roll is back. I encourage everybody to come out to Vegas and take advantage of the free roll opportunities sponsored by DraftKings uh, for the FFWC uh, live events. It's going to be fun, man. We have we'll have the we'll have the free party, the free NFL viewing party. And here's the thing: on Sunday, if you want to watch the games with all of us in Vegas, the party at FFWC it won't cost you a dime. It won't cost you a dime if you just help us out. All we ask is that you please share 
our page on, the, on your Facebook wall. Help spread the word about the FFWC. If more players know about our games, we can increase all our prizes in 2015, make it bigger and better than ever before. So we said, hey, we'll hike the party. Now, if you'd rather pay us a $100 bill, you know, attend the party, great. But wouldn't you just rather spread the word, tag your buddy, yep. uh, tag me when you do, and uh, I'll mark you down as paid, and you can come and hang out and watch all the games with us, root for your fantasy team in Vegas uh, at the free NFL viewing party. And nobody else does a viewing party, so, you know, I, w- I want to make sure that we're watching the games together. Well, Scott, uh, real quick, uh, what, what are those dates exactly in September? Yep, you better mark your calendar. Because everything happens from Wednesday, September 3rd, all the way to Sunday, September 7th. Wednesday, September 3rd to Sunday, September 7th is the uh, is the entire session. So yeah, we've already got it all planned out. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very good time to be back in Vegas. Okay, Mike, that's the FFWC. The prize structure is announced. The live event structure is announced. We'll continue to roll out things like the Roto Bowl and the other live drafts. We're talking about also having a draft and go, a live draft and go. There's a lot of discussion on our message boards about that. It'll be 850 bucks entry fee, and it's basically you draft your team and you forget it. You don't have to worry about it with lineups and waivers or anything like that. Uh, it's a lot of fun there. You can go to fulltimefantasy.com for all of the details or FF Toolbox message board. You can find out. Okay, Mike. Let's, we, we've got so much going on. We've got fantasy golf, fantasy basketball every single night. Uh, NASCAR is starting up. Our rankings for the Daytona 500 will be out on Monday morning. We already have our preseason rankings up on NASCAR. The NASCAR page is up and running, Mike. Uh, yep. And uh, it's just, you know, NASCAR is a growing, growing fantasy sport. And uh, we won't talk a lot about it here on Red versus Blue, but it is going on in, in the racing uh, the the fanatics of NASCAR are just as hardcore as the football fanatics, Mike. Even more so, I I think. You know, I mean, it's 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 hard to believe that, but there are guys that uh, you know love to hate Jimmy Johnson, and I mean, they really love to root for guys like Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. Still to this day, we have Jeff Gordon ranked number five overall, Jimmy Johnson number one, Matt Kenseth number three, and your buddy Kyle Busch at number two, Mike. What do you think of those rankings? Well, I, th- I think it's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's it's a fun uh, NASCAR is is it's a lot of fun until September, unfortunately. Uh, NASCAR has to do something with uh, with their season to uh, get away from Sunday racing in uh, September, October, November to com- try to compete with the NFL. But uh, you know, uh, it's exciting. Uh, yeah. It's hard to believe that uh, a week from Sunday, it's uh, Daytona 500. There's a lot of good rankings on FF Toolbox uh, that you need to check out. Uh, Kenseth, I like. Uh, this year, believe it or not, I love Tony Stewart a lot, but it's hard to go against hmm. Jimmy Johnson. It's hard to go against Jimmy Johnson. I'm not a big fan of uh, Tony Stewart and his broken leg, but uh, I still think he'll uh, he'll bounce back in a huge way. And so the name that you're giving everybody is Tony Stewart to make it happen this year. Is that is that right, or Jimmy is Jimmy Johnson going to win uh, it again? Man, yeah, yeah. I think Tony Stewart's going to be there. I mean, he's 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 nails, man. He's tough. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the. You know, Matt had a great year last year in the Joe Gibbs team. I, I think he loves that number twenty car. He had a fantastic season. Just just couldn't get it done down the stretch. Uh, I'm going to root for my boy Matt Kenseth, and then obviously Kyle Busch, uh, he has a great fan. But I, I don't even know if I'll play any NASCAR, but I'll, I'll probably get involved somewhere somehow in some kind of way that just doesn't require me to be involved okay. much at all. That's just that, the got, kind of NASCAR fantasy fan that I am at this point. I got you a perfect league. I'll send I'll send a uh, send the link to you, Scott, because it, it is a perfect league, and we've had a ball with it for the last five years. All right, well, let's talk about this hardcore league. I'm going to go ahead and post it in the chat room. This episode brought to you by Mike and Ike's. This is the, uh, the, the Coca Zero studio here today. Uh, the FFWC Hardcore League is a $250 entry fee, uh, and I'm going to post it right here in the chat room right now. Uh, it's the FFWC's uh, first draft of the year right after the Super Bowl. Bam, they started. The first pick of the draft was Jamal Charles, followed by LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson, and then Matt Forte, those four running backs. Do you see any problem with those top four running backs being your legit top four in the in the league, or can you make a case for anybody else? 
No, I, I don't see any problem at all because uh, running backs are so limited. Uh, it's a passing league like we've talked about on the show before, Scott. Uh, but I, I do not see a problem with any one of those four. I see Calvin is uh, right behind Matt Forte. Uh, can you take Calvin before Forte? Yes, you can. But then again, you're going to be suffering uh, down the road for uh, running backs. So to answer your question, those four, they seem fine to me. Well, you know, I kind of like what uh, Tree Huggers did there, uh, Todd Hunter. He did. He took Calvin Johnson, followed up with Antonio Brown, who's also underrated. Uh, the fact that he's in the second round isn't what's underrated, but it's that he's the 10th wide receiver off the board. And do you know that he finished as the number three wide yeah. receiver for the year last year? A big monster season for Antonio Brown. And so uh, to get him at the number 10 wide receiver for a guy who caught 100 balls, 1,400 yards, and eight touchdowns on 152 targets, the team hasn't really changed much either. It's the exact same team. The, the, oh. the, the, the production was very consistent first half to the second half, although first half of the year he had two touchdowns. The last half of the year he had six touchdowns. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works. But, yeah, it was a great season by Antonio Brown. And then – you look, he started off with those two studly wide receivers in a in a league that's very important to draft your wide receivers. Alfred Morris and Ryan Matthews are his next two running backs right. in the third and fourth round. And if you ask me, I, I think won. those running backs can probably carry you. Now, he also gets D'Angelo Williams in the 16th. And here's a guy that everybody loves to hate on. But at the end of the day, in today's NFL – a back that gets you 200 yards and 30 receptions or so and a half a dozen touchdowns, that's pretty average. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, you know, who knows who will be there running the ball for, for Carolina this year, but it probably won't be Jonathan Stewart. Well, the one thing about it that, uh, you know, I know that uh, uh, Terry Hugg, I'm, he didn't know that Ryan Matthews was going to be sitting there. Let's face yeah. it, Ryan Matthews was a beast the last three, four weeks of the season. He was a beast in the playoffs, not necessarily a beast in the playoffs, but yeah, he was a yeah, right. he was a beast. But I mean, I mean, this guy really showed up. This was the Ryan Matthews we expected, the non-injured Ryan Matthews. So uh, he basically said, "Well, I'm gonna roll the dice. I'm gonna get me a couple good wide receivers, and I'll lock me up, uh, Alfred, and uh, I'll be darned." Ryan Matthews was available, so. You know, it, it, it could it could roll to his favor. I don't know if Ryan Matthews is going to be be available in too many rounds, uh, too many round four drafts uh, coming up. No, I don't think so either. I think you're absolutely right on this one. I'm going to agree with Mikey on this one. It doesn't happen a lot on Red versus Blue for you, those of you that listen. <laughs> but 285 carries on the season. If you notice that he had tw uh, 17, 18, 18 of his catches in the last seven weeks of the year. He only finished with 26. And like you said, it was all the Danny Woodhead show in the backfield, you know, as the receiving threat out of the backfield. But in the second half, that all changed. And Matthews was yep. the guy that was catching the, you know, he, so he's on pace again for his 40 or 50 receptions that we've kind of grown to know that he can do. Now, he did get into the end zone too. Five of his six touchdowns came in the last seven games. If they use him like they did the second half, in the first half, there's no way he's a fourth-round pick. So I totally agree with you on this one. I, I chalked that one up to you. He is a value pick uh, for that draft. And Todd, for starting out, Calvin Johnson and Antonio Brown, getting a guy like Alfred Morris in the middle of the third. Who you remember where Alfred Morris was being drafted last year, Mikey? Into the first, early second. You know? Yeah, he, he uh, was already. And it, yeah, and again, that team was plagued by – uh, an RG3 that wasn't ready to be on the field, that he went out there because his team needed him or he felt he needed to be out there. And, look, that team wasn't uh, the same team they were with a healthy RG3. Now, it sounds like they're going to deal uh, Kirk Cousins to somebody. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. But, Mike, Alfred Morris is another value play, I think, in the middle of the third round. There's no reason to uh, think that this guy won't rebound. From a 200, his down year last year, 276 carries, 1275 and seven touchdowns. The only knock on him, and we all know this, he just doesn't catch the ball. Well, he's not used out of the backfield, so he's not a, a guy that you really like uh, to get. But he's very consistent, and again, he wasn't into the first early second guy. 
but you're talking about guys like C.J. Spiller. I mean, who do you have more confidence in now at this point? I mean, I loved Spiller. I was all over Spiller uh, heading into last year, and it totally burned me. Two touchdowns on the year, uh, it's just not going to cut it. Well, I, 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 I'm not on Alfred Morris, okay? So yeah. I'm going to disagree with you there because I not think a, the not guy in the had, middle of the third I mean, round? Third round, man. It's where it's where it starts to make sense to me. I mean, I you no, know, granted, there's no, a lot of good no, wide receivers no, I can't, there. I can't do it. I no, I can't pull the trigger. The guy had a great year in 2012. Last year yeah. was very subpar. Uh, maybe it was because of uh, Robert Griffin. Uh, I don't. Uh, Robert Griffin. May I, I don't know. But uh, I, I thought he caught lightning in a bottle, and uh, I, I don't expect much at all out of. Uh, out of Morris. I, I really don't. Well, some people are expecting a lot out of Monty Ball. He'll be a second year back in the Denver offense. No, Sean Moreno may be dealt his walking papers. He may have played his way out of a job now because his price yeah. that he command now on the free market uh, may be a little too much for Denver to want to pay considering they drafted Monty Ball in the second round. And and look, I think that uh, Commando Fro got a good young back there in the third round. And the question will be is can he develop into that role uh, of, of being a pass-catching, uh, dual-threat type of running back because that's not what he was uh, in college. And so we'll see if, if Monty Ball you know, from Wisconsin can develop those same skills in the league. I do love the Joyke Bell pick by Ann Paddock in the fourth yeah. round as the 17th running uh-huh. back off, off the board. I think he's an undervalued back, Mike. All the stats that you look at for Joyce Bell, again, he is in a timeshare situation in Detroit. Uh, and Detroit, we're going to have to figure out how they're going to, to handle uh, the new coaching right. staff. But it sounds like it sounds like they are going to uh, adjust their offense quite a bit this year. They've, 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 they cut Nate Burleson, right? They're, they're moving on. Right. It's, a new, it's a new era in, in Detroit. So we're going we're gonna to see – uh, how they decide to uh, to pattern their offense this year. Yeah, Scott, it seems like to me that uh, Joyce Bell, I mean, he had all the opportunities last year. He just – and he made – you know, he made uh, all – I mean, he did what he could out of those opportunities. He just wasn't given enough. And, you know, maybe he followed the ball here or there, but uh, the guy has everything that fits into Matthew Stafford's plan and what they're wanting to do. So I really expect uh, Joyke Bell to be a uh, – I, I, I think he'll move up the chart. He'll move up ahead of uh, not Ryan Matthews. Well, they're, they're right there together, really. Just having a conversation in the chat room. Yeah, this is, this is going to be interesting to see uh, how this all shakes out for Detroit, but I do like Joyke Bell. He is going to be a, uh, a guy that we're going to watch. Chris Johnson, another fourth-round running back in this hardcore draft the 19th running back off the board. Mike, that's value. He was actually, again, undervalued, underrated, uh, not somebody that really puts up monster stats, but at the end of the year, Chris Johnson was the number 10 running back overall. He didn't miss a lot of time, and he's a guy that that uh, you can count on. Uh, you, you were looking for a bigger breakout year from him, 250 carries, 279 carries, 1,077 and six is nothing to write home about. But 42 receptions. 345 yards and four touchdowns, that's where he gives you that value. He's always involved in the play, and he can can always break that big one. Now, he didn't do much. That was the problem early on. It took him, you know, uh, till week nine to find the end. Yeah, well, it took him to week five to find the end zone and to week nine to have a double-digit touchdown day in that 150-yard day against the Rams. But then things started to kind of roll a little bit and get a little bit more consistent in the, you know, but again – 10th overall, it's kind of a deceiving number because it wasn't anything flashy, but you're getting him at RB19, so for a draft master league, it makes a lot of sense. Do you think uh, Chris Johnson has lost any speed? No, I think he's lost his team. He won't be a, a Tennessee um, Titan next year. I think he'll be a, a, okay. a, a Raider I, I, is, is what I'm hearing. I th- that he, he may be a Raider, and it sounds like our boy Teddy Bridgewater might be the, the object of the Raiders' uh, uh, affection at this point, you know, that you, you did talk about that early in the program. I think NFL teams are yep. making a mistake. And we can segue to this um, 
to this. Uh, well, I just want to talk real quick yeah. on the. Just real quick on Chris Johnson, and uh, I want to uh, compare the compare Chris Johnson with uh, the guy that was drafted uh, two picks later, Shane Vereen. Uh Chris Johnson, high profile, Shane Vereen, New England Patriots. We know the hoodie. Yeah. We know what he does. Uh, yeah, it's it's a tough uh, tough situation on who which one to pick because uh, down the line is uh, Ray Rice. So. You know, you can clump all three of those in together, uh, Chris Johnson, Shane Marine, and Ray Rice, and which one would you take? Which one would you take? It's very it's very tough. Well, look, uh, what happened to Ray Rice? Did, did it finally catch up to him? Uh, he's only 27 years of age. He's still young in running back years. Uh, but the carries are mounting up. That's five. That was four straight years of 250-plus carries for a Baltimore squad. He still got you 58 receptions. The, the problem yep. was that he wasn't getting the offensive line help that they need. So they need some help on the offensive line. Teams are allowed bad years. But if you fix that offensive line issue, if you fix that offensive line issue, I love the fact that this, this running back still got 73 receiving targets to add to his 214 carries. Uh, so right. I'm still thinking Ray Rice is, should not be drafted in the fifth round, dude. I mean, look. First last year he's a first round pick. Every year for the last five years he's been a first round pick. All of a sudden a bad year does not. I think he's that value play of you know the draft. You're going to look back on and say, holy cow, they tried the Bernard Pierce experiment. It didn't. You know nothing worked. It was it was the offensive line. Right. You know if if, if if it's not like the Indianapolis situation where Donald Brown actually looked really good and Trent Richardson looked really bad. This this offensive line didn't make anybody look good in Baltimore. Well, if if the offensive line is bad, then maybe you should stay away from uh, Ray Rice uh, totally. Really, I mean that's the way I look at it. Yeah, you're still getting you're still getting the fifty or sixty receptions every year, though, Mike. Usually, yeah. usually speaking, yeah. if you get that type of if you get that type of workload in out of the backfield in the receiving game, usually that means you're a lock for it to be a top 10 running back. Now, that didn't happen for Ray Rice. He was the 24th best back overall. It is very shocking to see him fall that far. Uh, so it'll be interesting, it'll be interesting to see if, if Ray Rice can regain some of that. It's, it's, it, it just doesn't seem right at 27 years of age to have already hit the wall. Another guy that we will finish up talking about here, Mike, is Ben Tate, the 22nd running back off the board. Now, if you want to go for uh, upside, there's that there's that you word again. But if you want to go for 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 something big, uh, why not a Ben Tate? Now he has been injury plagued uh, a lot of his career, and that would be one reason to to detract from Ben Tate. Uh, but he is going to be a free agent this year. He will be a starter somewhere. What do you think about Ben Tate being the starter for the Cleveland Browns? Do you think he would have an impact oh. as a running back there uh, because they need a running back? Scott, you, you just said the worst thing in the world. Cleveland Browns, nothing <laughs> successful will happen out of that team other than Josh Gordon. If okay. if Ben Tate wants to go there, then so be it. Then he's going to go 15 for 40 every game. 15 rushes, 40 yards, maybe 20 for 60. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Cleveland, man. It's, it stinks because Ben Tate has a ton of ability. I mean, he's got total upside, like you said. I mean, he really does. But in Cleveland, no way. Well, Trent Richardson was very successful there uh, as a guy that uh, put up monster fantasy stats. I mean, that's why we were drafting him in the, as the you know, fourth, fifth, or sixth fantasy yeah. pick. And he comes to Indy and it doesn't work out. So there's there's potential there, especially for a guy that – that uh, Ben Tate went healthy has proven that he can look pretty darn good out there. Now, uh, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I'm I'm not ready to dismiss the Cleveland Browns as an organization. They they do have their their faults, but they did pick up uh, a couple of picks for that Trent Richardson. We'll get to see what they do with those picks. Uh, they picked up one last year, and now and they have their one for this year. They'll they'll have a um, they didn't do well in the draft last year, uh, but we'll see. Scott, and we will talk about that here in well, a minute. Uh-huh. One one thing that's not real good is when you fire your GM two weeks before the combine. That's not a yep. good thing. Yep. 
Yeah, there, there, so there's something, there's something, something to miss to... there. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that Hardcore League. It, it has been a lot of fun uh, to watch the Hardcore League drafting. They're still not done. They're in the 22nd round. Uh, this baby's going to last a while. It's a 30-rounder, but they did go through their defensive and kicker runs there. That's over with. And now they're taking flyers on guys. And, and some of those flyers can end up being big-time difference makers. Yes. Jordan Todman yep. in the 11th round I think could be a big-time difference maker. He's that Darren Sproles-esque running back for the Jaguars. Denard Robinson is another guy that I wouldn't give up on in uh, Jacksonville with, with the aging Maurice Jones-Drew there. Um, th- there are some options. And then we're going to talk about the rookies. So let's segue right now into the rookies because, Mike, in this draft, you usually see some rookies come off the board. You know, you, there's, there's usually a, a rookie out there or two that, you know, it's time to pick one off and pluck one off and, and find out. The Giovanni Bernards of the Eddie Lacy's, the Le'Veon Bells, very good running backs. There's Amante Ball. There's four rookie running backs right there that I named off that were drafted in the first three rounds of this draft. Lacy, Bell, Bernard, and Monte Ball. All four. Oh, and Zach Stacy. There's five. Five rookie running backs yep. in the first three rounds, not to mention an Andre Ellington, you know, in the fifth round. So running backs were very successful. But in this draft, rookies weren't selected until very, very late. We're talking about Sammy Watkins in the seventh round. I mean, there, there's your number one wide receiver, and we still don't see running backs being taken uh, until we see Kadeem Carey from Arizona in the ninth you round, the 39th running back off the board. Carlos Hyde, the 41st running back, the first pick of the 10th round. Uh, Trey Mason, the, the Auburn running back, right. the 44th running back in the 10th round. These are all, right now, rookies are very undervalued, but once they get to a team, their value goes up. So it's a, it's a discussion worth having. Do you like to draft yeah. early, like this early, where nobody knows anything? and maybe you can pluck a diamond out of the rough that you know is going to be, you know, go well in the draft, or do you rather sit back and, and see where everybody's at, and that way everybody's on a level playing field? Which, which do you prefer? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I, I, I don't mind drafting early uh, and finding that diamond in the rough. Uh, you know, I found uh, Russell Wilson a couple years ago, diamond in the rough. So, you know, you, you just have to figure out which it's going to be. Right now, the reason these running backs are are uh, rated so low is because the NFL has changed. It's 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 gotten before our eyes. In the last three four years, the NFL has changed so much to where the running back is almost non-existent. I hate to say it, but they they don't mean anything. Uh, so that's why the, a lot of running back rankings. They are so low. Scott and Mike here from uh, FF Toolbox and the FFWC. Uh, we are getting ready to break down and, and take a look at the East Bay Funk Top 24 Rookie Rankings. These are the pre-draft rookie rankings that our very own East Bay Funk always does every year. He's one of the guys that uh, I targeted uh, early on in my career right. as a fantasy uh, fan and, and said, you know what, I really enjoy his content. I like the way he looks at players. I like the way he breaks them down. There's also something that he does for the players that he will compare them to a certain player in the league uh, physically as far as their, you know, their skill set, and then he'll compare them as a trajectory of like where he feels like, you know, just, just taking a stab, but where he feels like they'll rank. I mean, is he, are they going to be a, have an A.J. Green type of year, or are they going to be, you know, more of a yeah. – yeah. Uh, you know, a James Jones type of career. And you kind of want to know that out of a rookie. What kind of upside are we talking about? What kind of role do we foresee? Is he a number one? Is he a number two? Now, you're not always going to be right. Look at a T.Y. Hilton. I mean, could anybody have predicted that he'd be this good in the NFL when we thought he was just bringing speed to the table? He's really taking advantage of that speed. Uh, but, Mike, his first tier of, of uh, rookies, we're going to talk about right here on the show, he has eight rookies in his first tier and I've never seen him have eight rookies in his first tier that tells you that oh. this first tier is very strong uh the number one yeah. uh, player in this tier is wide receiver Sammy Watkins of Clemson now we just read a report on FF Toolbox that Sammy Watkins 
the Clemson wide receiver, gets compared uh, to Julio Jones and A.J. Green. Uh, what do you think of that uh, comparison? And that's by NFL Films senior producer Greg Cosell. He I, said there's no like debate that, that Watkins is standing as this year's best incoming wideout. Well, I like it. He, he, he's, he has speed and he runs routes. I've watched a lot of Clemson. Uh, I love uh, uh, Debo Sweeney, uh, a head coach there at uh, Clemson. Uh, I love the way he brings these players to do or to go to the next level. So, uh, Sammy Watkins, I mean, he has speed and can run routes, and that's very you – won't, you won't see that in too many wide receivers. Yeah, uh, and, and look, we have uh, – Brian Murphy did a fantastic uh, analysis of this situation. If you look at A.J. Green's rookie year, 65 catches, 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's big. Julio Jones, 54 catches, 959 yards, and eight touchdowns. That's big. But, again, yep. Cincinnati's number one, uh, Atlanta's number two. It depends on where he goes. Like you've said before, you have to get matched up with the right quarterback to yep. have that opportunity. And so it will be interesting to see, well, let's see where he gets – let's see where he gets slotted because if you go to – I mean, if uh, he goes to Cleveland or Washington or uh, Cleveland, Jacksonville, uh, Houston, Washington, uh, I, I don't know. Well, if you go to FF Toolbox, you can see where – you can go to Sammy Watkins, you can pull him up, and it'll show you where he's being projected. 27% of the mock drafts have him going to Oakland. 14% have him going to St. Louis. 13% have him going to Tampa Bay. And 8% wow. have him going to Buffalo. So out of those situations, well, that... Oakland, St. Louis, huh. Tampa Bay, and Buffalo, which one bodes well for Sammy Watkins? Well, it, it, that's real easy. Uh, Sam Bradford, St. Louis, or uh, Tampa Bay and uh, Glennon, because Glennon's got an arm. I can see Glennon and uh, Watkins hooking up all day on Sunday. Uh, I can see Bradford and Watkins hooking up. Oakland and the other team you mentioned, no, I don't see it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Tampa Bay lets Sammy Watkins slip past them. I mean, you got Vincent Jackson and Mike Williams, but I'm not so sure they're keen on Mike Williams being a part of that team. And if they really want to open things up for that offense, if you have Doug Martin in the backfield, you put Vincent Jackson on one side and Sammy Watkins on the other, that's an exciting tandem right there, man. Yep. As the number seven pick in the draft, it would be nice to see, uh, uh, to, like to see that happen. Now, Mike, at FF Toolbox, again, we have the uh, the mock draft area, and these are all the hardcore, hardcore NFL draft nicks out there. They uh, analyze every situation, and push come to shove, uh, there are still the consensus of every one of the FF Toolbox writers so far. Their latest mocks have Teddy Bridgewater still going number one. They are not coming off of that just yet, and you can read about why that is because every one of our writers does an analysis pick by pick on who they think is going to go. And also, the FF right. Toolbox community still has Teddy Bridgewater as the number one quarterback coming off the board, Blake Bortles number yeah. two to Jacksonville, and Johnny Manziel number three to Cleveland. They feel like at the end of the day that Teddy Bridgewater will, as, as, even though there's a little bit of down play on him right now, he will be at the combine and he will throw. I don't think he's going to perform and do all that, but what do you think about Teddy Bridgewater going to Houston? I know you you went on record and you thought that it would be Manziel or Bortles. Well, I did. Uh, the one thing about it is uh, the reason I say that is because if I'm in a GM, I can't go wrong with uh, GM or with uh, Manziel. The reason I say that is if I take Manziel, then my whole team, my whole Supporting state is behind me. I'm not. I'm not going outside the box. I'm taking the sexy pick. If it doesn't work out, well, okay, it didn't work out. If I go Bridgewater, it's like you got one year to make this work, and it better work. So, bottom line, Scott, I think Bridgewater is the best quarterback out of this draft right now. I really do. Well, it'll be interesting. The one name that we talked about at the beginning of the program, Blake Bortles, 
Uh, he's the leader. He played very well at Central Florida. They had a fantastic season. He's a pretty good scrambler, kind of compares to an Andrew Luck in that regard. And he's no, he, 6'4", he's 230. So, he, so he's actually the prototypical size of a quarterback, whereas if you look at no. Teddy Bridgewater, they talk about him being 6'3", 205, being too small, not too short, but not uh, the build of a quarterback. And then you talk about Manziel, he's only 6'1", 210. And he's so, you know, that's a Russell Wilson situation right there. So, Bortles, well, 6'4", 230, he fits the build of a, of a quarterback that can take the, the abuse of the NFL. Well, what's happening with the NFL right now, Scott, is that the, the quarterback, uh, the position is, I mean, it, it's changed. It's changed a lot. I mean, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. How tall is Drew Brees? What, six foot? They, they well, listen yeah, to six rare one, but, Yeah, you're talking about Drew Brees. It is a rare exception, but, uh, you know, and Russell Wilson, and uh, there's other quarterbacks out there that aren't E.J. Manuel. Guy's going to be good. The guy's going to be a great NFL quarterback. So, uh, you know, I think I, I don't think size matters anymore. Well, I don't know if it doesn't matter, uh, but it has been defied with, uh, with certain, you know, look uh, – Russell Wilson is a classic example that, you know, the kid had a certain something, and they saw that. And when, when he fell in the draft, you, you can't blame the other owners, uh, all the other owners in the league that passed on him. I mean, look, th- there is a lot of history behind that kind of stuff. But I, I think that Teddy Bridgewater well, has, is the safest play in this draft. He has the, the, highest, the highest probability of having a luck type impact when all is said and done he had the best in he had the best ncaa completion percentage in 2013 and he wasn't satisfied he said it should have been 80 or 85 percent and i agree with him because most of those throws weren't his fault most of those misses if you watch the games you know he's challenging downfield kind of like andrew luck did in the uh in the uh, bruce arians offense it seemed like you know it didn't matter what down and distance it was it could be third and three and he's still throwing deep down the field. And I was like, man, you know, there were so many drives like that that he's just, you know, he's like, well, the guy's open. I'm going to throw it right to him. And then something would happen. It would bounce off his shoulder pads or, you know, you know something would happen and it just wouldn't go right. But he, he, most of the time it did go right. And so I think it's the safest well, Scott, pick on the board for Houston. I don't think you'd go wrong with, with Teddy Bridgewater. No. I don't either. And uh, the reason I say that, and I'm going to follow up with you, uh, Golden Tate. Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson, all those guys, everybody said you drafted them way too high. Pete Carroll, you screwed up. You drafted them way too high. Well, guess what? All three of those guys were very instrumental to getting Seattle to a Super Bowl championship, the world champions. So, you know, I'm not saying Pete Carroll is God or this or that, but Pete Carroll knew what he was doing. So whoever drafts, whoever drafts Bridgewater coming up in this in this draft, they're going to be a happy guy. All right. So Sammy Watkins is the number one rookie pick in dynasty drafts right now, according to East Bay Funk. You can see those rankings at FFToolbox.com. Marquise Lee is the second wide receiver off the board for East Bay Funk. And, and some people have Mike Evans from Texas A&M up there. So it's kind of interesting. I have Marquise Lee up there at number two. I'm not ready to put Evans in my top two. I think he's right there as a close three, to be honest with you, because I do love Evans. But Lee, uh, they're projecting him. Look, 84% project him as a first-round uh, prospect. I don't think there's any question that Marquise Lee will be a, a first-round pick. The teams that most often chose Marquise Lee, here you go, Jets, 22%, Baltimore, 20%, Detroit, 8%, and Kansas City, 7%. So if, uh, what, what do you think about that? Obviously, look, that, the Jets is where somebody goes to die. But what if you give Geno Smith a weapon in the offense and you give him this six foot, 195-pound Marquise Lee, who as a sophomore, a sophomore threw, uh, caught for 1,700 yards and 14 touchdowns. He didn't do as well as a junior, and he missed a few games, but... What do you think about uh, Marquise Lee being a uh, being a, a New York Jet? 
Well, you know, Gino needs it. I mean, he needs he needs something like that, but uh, it's not one uh, one wide receiver weapon that's going to make all the difference. It's going to be offensive line. It's going to help out the chest more than anything like anything else. But Marquise Lee, uh, I mean, he's going to make a big difference to uh, you know maybe uh, open things up for uh, for Gino. Well, it's interesting. I didn't mention this earlier. But EVF said that he projects Sammy Watkins to be a top 10 to 12 dynasty wide receiver right out of the box, and wow. Marquise Lee a top 15 to 20 wide receiver right out of the box. I wonder if that would still be the case if he's a New York Jet. Uh, granted, if he goes to Baltimore, I think that helps out Joe Flacco. It helps out Torrey Smith. If you put Torrey Smith on one side and a Marquise Lee on the other, along with a healthy Dennis Kittle. I think Ray Rice becomes very fantasy relevant again. He also, Mike, that affects that entire offense. You put a Marquise Lee on that offense, and I bet you that Baltimore addresses the offense early in the NFL draft. Uh, Carlos Hyde is his number three player uh, from Ohio State, Mike. Big, big, fast running back, 5'11", 238. 5'11", 238. The team's most often choosing uh, Carlos Hyde, second-round pick, by the way. Cleveland, 60%. So he's not getting past Cleveland in the second round is what everybody's thinking. Carolina, 10%. Jacksonville, 7%. What do you think about that? Well, I'll tell you what. If he falls into a Carolina situation, watch out. This guy could be something else. Uh, I, I still, you know, like I said, I, I don't like the Cleveland situation. I don't like it one bit. Uh, but if if he was to, oh, wow, if Carolina was to snap this dude up, watch out. I'm not as big on him ending up in Carolina because I think they've tried the bigger backs before and it just hasn't worked out. Jonathan Stewart, uh, they also have a, a very capable big bruising back in, in, in Mike Tolbert. Uh, but this guy is a lot, uh, it seems like he runs a lot smoother and he's a lot faster. He, he, he almost... He, he doesn't look as quick as a guy like Eddie Lacy. That's my problem. I don't think he's not. I don't think he's quite there yet to be a starter. But Cleveland, it would be a massive improvement to what they have. They've got aging running backs. If they don't address the running back in free agency, I think Carlos Hyde would be a very nice pick for them. Uh, but Mike, look, you can go to all the rankings. He he carries on with Jeremy Hill of LSU. My top running back in the class is Lake Seastrunk out of Baylor, Mike. And I don't, I'm sure you watched yeah. him a little bit. Very fast, very athletic. I would yeah. like to have seen him catch the ball more. But in that Baylor offense, you don't really catch the ball out of the backfield that much. So Lake Seastrunk, I think, has that ability, a la like a job at best yeah. did. Uh, I like Lake Seastrunk as my number one running back. Well, you know, that's funny you said that, Scott, because uh, – uh, the type of offense that they played, it's becoming the NFL type of offense. So uh, I think Sistrunk is going to be – he's going to be fun to watch. And uh, <laughs> I, I can't believe you brought up his name because I, I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. He's electric. He he, he kind of has that Gio Bernard factor to him, and we'll just have to see if yeah. that will translate to the NFL. Uh, I do always look for that. I also, again, he has number seven on his list, Mike Evans, Texas A&M. Uh, I really like Mike Evans. Well, I, think. I think he's a little down on Evans, uh, but we will have to evaluate that. It, again, it is pre-combine and things of that nature. And then finally, Eric Ebron, the last of the elite tier, the tight end from North Carolina. I advise everybody to take a look at the Eric Ebron clips on YouTube. The kid is a fantastic playmaker. It would be nice to get – he's often compared to Vernon Davis, and he, you know, reminds you of a young Kellen Winslow when he was in his, in his prime. So Eric Ebron, he may not get past the New York Jets in the first round, is what I'm hearing uh, for for this kid. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Eric Ebron right now, and uh, you know, I mean, how many elite tight ends are you going to be able to grab? Yeah. I mean, from here moving yeah. forward, how many elite tight ends are you going to be able to get? And is the tight end uh, position obsolete? Are they going? Yeah. Are they going to end up on them wide receivers? So this might be your last chance, Mikey. We survived this day. That uh, for, for for us guys, I think it's it's nice to get this day out of the way and we can yeah. move on. Uh, but look, we have uh, NBA All Star Game this weekend. NASCAR coverage is coming around the corner next week for the for the Daytona 500. We'll have all of the 
all the action being updated on the FFWC and FF Toolbox message boards. Make sure you check them out. Keep posted with us on Facebook and Twitter. Mikey, we will see you next Friday night, my man. All right, man. Take care. Listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.